we started a, ser- a, a sermon last week, uh, the power of prayers of a personal nature. We're talking about uh, conversations with God, trying to, get, trying to give some perspective on prayer and, and our prayer life and what it's, what it's supposed to be like when we pray. You know, many, many uh, people, especially in our region, grew up in churches and in denominations and in faiths where you had prayer books, right? And you repeated prayer and you uh, quoted prayers and things like that. And, and I think they, those probably have their place. Uh, I, th- I believe in praying the scriptures. I believe in claiming scriptures in prayer and praying and, and, uh, and claiming same things that great uh, men and women of the faith in years gone by uh, prayed in prayer. But I believe that prayer is more than a script. I believe prayer is more than a book. I believe prayer is a conversation between us and God. And I believe the more we talk to him in prayer, the more he answers us in our lives. And the more we read his word and the more we claim his word and kind of take that, internalize that and allow that to inspire our prayers the closer we get to God and the more we know God's will and God's plan for our lives. So that's why this series is called Conversations with God. Now, the overarching theme of our year has been roots, getting back to the roots of our faith, getting back to the basics of our faith. Going through Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, the the Sermon on the Mount, talking about the things that Jesus talked to his early first followers about, what he told them and what he tells us the basics of our faith should be, where we should be at our core, at our roots, how we get fed, how we grow. Too many times, I believe, we kind of go off that way, don't we? We, we? we get so... We get so used to being a Christian. We get so used to following the way, as it is, as it were, <clears throat> that we forget where we came from and we forget what we're connected to. And that line between us and God gets longer and longer and longer and we truly forget where we came from, where we started. And I believe that's exactly what we need to remember. I believe we should remember where we started every day. I believe we should be back to the roots of our faith every day. And that's what this... Uh, this series is about roots and getting back to understanding what prayer is supposed to be. <clears throat> As we've gone into this uh, series, Conversations with God, we've come to this area of prayer of a personal nature, prayers of a personal nature. And if you'd stand with me as we read Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, this is what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Therefore, you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil when you may be seated. This principle of prayer that we started last week is that principle where our prayers should contain an element of a personal nature. Prayers that uh, deal with us, deal with me. Prayers that deal with me. 
I think it's easy sometimes to pray for others. It's easier, I think, to pray for others many times, isn't it? I think it's easier to pray for the needs of other people, pray for our nation, pray for our leaders. It's easier to pray for people than it is to pray for ourselves. And I think there's a reason for that. Because we, when we start praying for ourselves and we start peeling back the layers of that onion, like Shrek said, then we start to see who we really are. We start to see what our motivation truly is. We start to see what, a, what the passion in our heart truly is. And maybe that tells us something good or maybe it tells us that there's something wrong and something needs to change. But that's exactly what prayer of a personal nature should be. Just to kind of bring us up to speed, last week I took you to 2 Chronicles 7.14 where it says, And my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. And I mentioned in, in the context of the election that we had this week that many times at this point, at this time of year, at this time of life, Christians always claim 2 Chronicles 7.14. God, heal our land. God, heal our land. God, heal our land. Give us the elected officials to heal our land. And we don't really read that scripture in totality. We don't really read it in context. Because if we were to read it, that prayer in context, we would realize that God doesn't say, pray for the healing of your nation. He says, pray for yourself and your brothers and your sisters in Jesus that you will become humble, that you will become dependent, and you will become repentant, because that is the path to forgiveness and healing. You see, healing of, I mean, if you want to take it out to the, in, in the macro sense to the world, the healing of the world the healing of a nation, the healing of a community, the healing of a church, the healing of a marriage, the healing of a family. All of those begin with me. All of those begin with me. Not necessarily me, I hope you understand what I'm saying, but with you, it's, they begin personally. See, you can't expect God to change other people and God to really hear you and, and answer your prayers about changing other people and healing other people when you're not willing to pray for yourself and when you're not willing to apply that prayer and that searchlight for yourself. The roadblocks to these kind of prayers are time, ego, and judgment. See, we don't want to admit that we have needs, have issues, have problems. We don't want to admit that there needs to be change in our lives. We can see everybody else. And all that does is bring division, by the way. When you can't walk a mile in someone else's shoes, when you can't see yourself as you truly are and the needs that you truly have and the way you really truly need to change to become a better follower of Jesus. The way to be a better person, the way to be a better dad, the way to be a better mom, husband, wife, kid, whatever, is to be a better follower of Jesus. It's not to be a better citizen. It's to be a better follower of Jesus. And that's what prayers of a personal nature lead us to. 
So we started talking about this. We started talking about there's going to be three kinds of prayers we talk about in, the, in these personal nature prayers. The first one we mentioned last week was spotlight prayers or prayers of introspection. Prayers that put the focus on us. Now, that's not fun, is it? Praying, not praying for ourselves, and you know, sometimes we can be very surface, right? God, God bless me. God, watch over me today. God, be with me today. We, we have our Christian speak that uh, is kind of, kind of a blanket prayer about it. Spotlight prayers aren't prayers of the, the prayer of blessing. I, we had a joke <laughs> when I worked at a church out in Missouri. The other staff pastors kind of had a joke about our senior pastor when he'd get into a conversation and it would be a conversation that he would want to get himself out of. You could see that he was getting uncomfortable. He wasn't a real uh, personal one-on-one kind of guy. But when he wanted to get out of a conversation with somebody, he'd always pray the prayer of blessing, right? He'd always go to prayer. He said, well, well, let's pray about it. And then that would be his out. And many times that's the way we are with our walk with God. We know we, we should be praying, so we just kind of pray those cursory prayers of blessings, the blanket prayer of blessing. Oh, God, bless me. Oh, God, you know, watch over me and watch over my family and, and, uh, and those kind of, and then we just kind of go on our way. But that's not the kind of prayer that we're talking about here. These are spotlight prayers, prayers that put focus on us. And he said, It requires us to pray a few different ways. The first way was to pray courageously. Come boldly before the throne of grace, right? Pray courageously. You don't know what God is, what the answers God is going to give you. You ever gone to God and said, God, I I really feel like you're, I feel like there's change coming in my life. I feel like there's something, I feel like you're working and something needs to happen here. God, I don't know what it is, but please make me ready for whatever it is that you want to do in my life, how you want to change me in my life. I mean, that's a courageous prayer because as much as we like to say we don't mind change, most people really don't like change and we resist it. Then we said we need to pray intentionally with a purpose and then pray personally. And that brings us to the next kind of prayers where we're going to pick up today. We go from spotlight prayers, which kind of focus on us and and open the door to true prayer and really seeking God's leadership in our lives to these kind of prayers, salt and light prayers. Salt and light prayers. Prayers for personal growth and change. You see, spotlight prayers kind of open us up to the possibility of what God wants to do in us, what God wants to, where God wants to bring us. And it prepares us to talk with God and to listen to God and truly get honest with him about our lives. Can I be honest, folks? I think many of us need to get to this point in our lives right now. I think many Christians are at this point right now where we need to get truly honest with God in salt and light prayers. What needs to change? Can I say this? Too much has changed. Too much has changed today. 
Too much has changed in the church. Too much has changed in Christians. I'm not talking about uh, the, the change in the way we come dressed to church. I've, I'm much more comfortable dressed like this. Uh, at my, my dad's funeral, I wore a, a suit, and people, they, everybody made a comment about it, right? Everybody said something about it. And I was like, man, savor the flavor, because this don't happen much. Not, just not going to happen. I resist the urge. It's football season, so I resist the urge every Sunday morning to throw on a Rams jersey, although it's not much of an urge right now. Um, just saying. I'm not talking about those. I'm not talking about the change in music. I'm not talking about the change in, you know, we, we go for, we used to have pews here, right? Now we have chairs. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking the change in functionality. I'm talking about the change in heart and the change in mind. I'm talking about the change in families where everything, listen, folks, I, I listen, I'm going to just go, I'm going to go ahead and say this and let the chips fall where they may. I'm talking about where you are on Sunday morning. What comes before church on Sunday morning? I've, made, I've said many times, I grew up in a home where it didn't matter. It didn't matter what was going on on Sunday morning. We were in church. Now, it was, in our home, it was different because it wasn't just Sunday morning. It was Sunday morning, Sunday night. And depending on what church we went to, it was either Wednesday or Thursday night. Yeah, Wednesday here in Elkton, Maryland at Maranatha Baptist Church, it was Thursday night. I know we were, it didn't matter. We were in church. Nothing in our home, and it wasn't just our home. It just wasn't because my parents were such godly people. It was the climate. It was the mentality. It was the focus of a church. And I think to a degree, it was an expectation but that's not where we should be, I don't believe. I don't believe I have any right to expect people to be here on Sunday morning. I have the right to expect myself to be here. I have the right to expect to lead my family to church on Sunday morning. But I don't have the right to expect anybody to be here on Sunday. I think you have the right to expect me to be here on Sunday morning. But I don't have the right to expect anybody to be here on Sunday morning. What I have the right to do is to pray for you. So that God would work on your hearts to show you that it is more important for you to be here with your brothers and sisters on Sunday morning, celebrating Jesus Christ, worshiping the God of the universe, sharing your faith, sharing your love, lifting people up on such a drab and dreary day. Seeing a smiling face, I had to catch myself because I wasn't smiling too much. It's cold out there, man. It's cold and the rain gets down the back of your shirt and down, runs down your back. And it's... So we don't, have, we don't have the right to expect, but man, we do have the right to pray and we do have the right to rejoice. And we should have the expectation on ourselves that we make the choice that God wants us to make. That comes from a life that is spent praying about God's leadership in your life. You kind of see where this sermon is going this morning, right? This is going to be more of a let's dig into us personally kind of message today. It might be a little uncomfortable. For those of you who are watching online, maybe what I just said was a little bit uncomfortable. That's okay. I think we should be uncomfortable when it comes to these kind of prayers. I'm just going to be real honest. I think we should be uncomfortable when it comes to this kind of prayers 
uh, these kind of prayers in our lives. Because we're not asking God to keep the status quo. We're not asking God to, uh, to just bless everybody and keep us in his favor. What we're saying in these kind of salt and light prayers is, God, what needs to change in me? Quite honestly, God, why do I not have a desire to be in church? God, why is everything else more important to me than your word? God, why is it more important for me to have a conversation with somebody else about someone else than it is to have a conversation with you about them? God, why is it more important for me to be concerned about other people than I am about myself? Why do I get so upset with other people who don't go to church when I come to church with a wrong attitude? And when I have a judgmental spirit, and when people are fine as long as they follow my way and my line of thinking, and as long as they stay out of my way and let me do my thing in the church, God, everything's fine. Why is that? Well, it's because there's some changes that need to happen in your heart. There's some changes that need to happen in your spirit. You see, these kind of prayers are difficult. This kind of prayer is not for the faint of heart. This kind of prayer is all about becoming a better follower of Jesus. They're amazingly important to our walk with Jesus. Many times we can focus so much on our faults that we say, fail to see our value and our worth to God. So before we talk about prayers that focus on our need for growth and change, I think it's important, and I, I added this in, so this isn't going to be on the slides. I added this in this week as I was praying about this message. And Holy Spirit just kind of said, you know, John, this is, this is going to be tough. It's going to be pointed. And people are getting beat up a lot right now. How many of you, I mean, you don't have to raise your hands, but in life, over the last two and a half years, man, we feel beat up, right? Holy cow. It has been a war. Truly has been. Just to kind of, And I, I think the worst is yet to come. Seriously, if you want my honest opinion, I think it's only going to get, I think this winter is going to be tough. We, we ordered a new uh, a pallet of pellets for our house because I don't want to turn on that, those thermostats that come on with electricity because electricity is ridiculously expensive. I want to heat with pellets. It's only $5 a day. So I think things are going to get tough. So when we look at this and we see that we remind ourselves that we have been kind of beaten up, it's important to remember our value to God. So before we get into what these salt and light prayers are, I want to remind you of this. Remember... Other people will try to define you for you. They'll try to tell you what your value is based on what you bring to life for them. But that isn't your value, not in God's eyes. God sees you as special, so special, in fact, that he sent his son to die for you. He's preparing eternity for you. He allows you to, he allows, he shows you that love 
And he shows you that he loves you every day when you wake up and you see his creation. Even the rain today. Even the dreary New England landscape. Treeless and gray. There's a beauty there. So don't let others tell you who you are or what you're worth. Let God do that and believe him for it. Don't undervalue yourself in your eyes based on the opinions of mortals. Accept your value from the immortal one. Remember this. And as I was writing this, as I was writing this this week, it spoke to my heart, but I, I know this also speaks to so many of you. Maybe you're watching today, maybe you're here with us today, and this speaks directly to you because you beat yourself up for what you've done. And you make yourself less than in your own eyes because of your past and because of how you see yourself. But let me remind you of some things. Your past does not define you. Your worst day does not define you. Your worst decision does not define you. Your income does not define you. Your house and car do not define you. Your social status does not define you. Your level of faith does not define you. Your reputation does not define you. Your family doesn't define you. None of these things define you unless you let them. Instead, God says, let me define you. Romans 5.8 says, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much love is that? Let me tell you something. I have three sons. One is biological, two are adopted. Not one of them would I send to die for anybody here. That's just honest. <laughs> no problem, Zach. I got you there. You can say, oh, okay. Let me ask you, how many of your kids are you going to send to die for somebody else? Especially somebody else who hates you, who is going to spend their life running you down and running down everything that you teach and say. Because that's what the world does for, to Jesus, right? I, I uh, had a conversation online with somebody this week who was just trashing Christianity. And I said, you know, and Christians are, I mentioned that Christians are persecuted. This person said, I'm so sick and tired of Christians saying they're persecuted. Like, you know what? The 7,000 people that died last year are probably tired of being persecuted because they're Christians too. So you can be tired of it if you want, but the fact of the matter is over 500 million people in this world live in countries where they are under persecution just because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Now that's a tough road to walk. We don't have that necessarily here. I believe it's coming. I believe that uh, personally, I know people have different opinions, so this is my opinion. You can have a different one if you want. I believe during COVID when they tried to shut churches down, that was persecution. You can disagree with me or not. You can believe that we need to follow the government. I disagree, and I can make an incredibly strong biblical argument where you're wrong. And my, my belief is right. But that doesn't matter because I answer to God for my decision, and you answer to God for yours. The point is that... We have people trying to bring us down and define us simply because of our faith. Yet, 
we have a God who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for you. To die for you. To die for me. Matthew 6, verses 26 through 30. Jesus is speaking here. Holy cow. He says, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe the wildflowers of the field. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? Listen, around about the time that October begins to roll around here in New England, we start talking about how God paints the landscape, right? The leaves start to change and we see the beauty. And this this, this autumn was incredible here in New England. They were just vibrant leaves. And I believe that God orders the the changing of the leaves every day. I truly do. I believe that is just God showing us his love and his power and his grace. And if if God cares enough about his creation to see all that go through in a day, how much more does he care about me, the one he sent his son to die for, the ones he sent? How much more does he care about you, the one he sent his son to die for? In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Listen, your life can seem like a train wreck constantly, but that's not God's plan. Oh, I'm not saying God's plan isn't that you're going to have difficulties in life or struggles in life, because that's part of life. What I'm saying is that God has a purpose for everything that happens during your life. Everything that happens during your day. Do you pray that way? Do you pray and ask God to prepare you for change? To prepare you for his purpose and plan for that day? Who knows what it's going to bring? God does. You see, too many times we focus on what we can see, and really, quite honestly, what we see is tough for many of us to accept. But where we really get consumed is what others see, right? We really get consumed in what others see and what others see in us and how others see us. I've been criticized a lot for saying I don't care. I say I don't care about things a lot, and it's quite honest, I don't. I don't really care what people think of me. I'm going to be who I am. That doesn't mean I don't care about people. That doesn't care, mean I don't care about God's plan. When I say that, I mean, I really, I, I tell you, man, it's a place of freedom to be as well. When you don't really care whether people like the fact that you don't have hair. Or that your beard is gray. Or that, what, whatever. I, I have people, I, ha, I had surgery back in May to... Uh, facilitate the loss of weight. I have people tell me, oh, you cheated. Like, okay, I'll cheat my way to 86 pounds gone every day of the week if it means I'm healthy. My my family and I took a walk yesterday. 
We, took, we walked for about a mile and a half. We took our dogs. I walked with my family. My hip didn't hurt because I got a new hip. I kept up with them. Talked with my boys. We had a great time. So if, if you think I cheated, I don't care. <laughs> Fine with me. That's your opinion. I don't really care about that. Too many times we get wrapped up in what people think of us. How people see us rather than how God sees us. God addresses that in 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance, at the appearance, his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. God sees your heart. God sees your heart. He sees what's on the inside. Listen, anybody can fake it. Anybody can put on a facade, right? Anybody can put on what other people want to see. But what does God truly see in you? Who does God see you as? How does God see you? That's what matters. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. Do you understand that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as, his, as your Savior, you are his child. You are his child, adopted into his family. Listen, like I said, I have three boys. I have five kids all together. I've got two girls and three boys. Zach is biological. Gabriel and Michael are adopted. There is no difference. And I love uh, what Zach said to the boys, to Gabriel and Michael, on, the day, on my dad's, the day of my dad's funeral. He said, guys, Grandpa didn't make any distinction. And my dad didn't. My dad saw my three sons as my three sons. He saw Gabriel and Michael the same as Zach. He did. He, he went to their baseball games. He supported them. He loved watching them play baseball. Dad told me one day, he said, he leaned over to me at a game. He said, I'd rather be here than Fenway Park. I'm like, that's cool, Dad. Thanks. That's pretty cool. Gabriel and Michael have every right to call me Dad, as Zach does. Every right, because there's no distinction. Hey, man, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as, his, as your personal Savior, if you've asked him into your heart to forgive your sins and, and asked him to become your, Lord, your Savior and are working to make him the Lord of your life, guess what? You're his adopted child. You have the right to call yourself a child of God. Why do you persecute yourself and beat yourself up so much? Ladies, you're a daughter of the king if you know Jesus as your savior. Listen, I know me. Uh, I defend my children pretty firmly. Nobody's going nobody's gonna to mess with my, even today. I mean, my, Zach can handle himself. He's older than, you know, the legal age. But I still will stand up for my son, Zach. And my two youngest boys, <laughs> don't mess with them. 
You, you want to you wanna try? I, listen, my wife and I are raising our boys. We don't, we don't need your village <laughs> to correct our boys. Okay? You want to watch out for them. You want to keep them out of the street, whatever. That's fine. But don't correct my sons. Okay? Don't, uh, don't discipline my, chill, my boys. That's my job. And don't ever place your hands on hey, Can I get an amen from parents? Don't ever place your hands on my, my children. We got a problem. Houston, we got a problem. Seriously. If I am that protective of my children, how much more protective is God of his children for whom he sent his son to die? Do you see where I'm going with this, folks? You are valuable children of God. He loves you. He cares for you. And he watches out for you. How dare you look at yourself as less than when you were a child of God. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Man, there's a purpose for who you are. There's a purpose for the way you are. There's a purpose for why you are the way you are. There's a purpose for why you see things the way you do. Because God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a way for your life to go. God has, I, I believe more specifically, God has people in this world for you to connect with because of who you are and the way you are. I believe, that, I believe that's why so, we're so different. There's so many differences in us. Because God has a perfect plan for us to connect with the people that we can connect with. God has a plan for your life. Just remember who you are. As we get into these last, these, these next verses and these next principles, just remember who you are in God. And remember what Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. As a child of God, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Now, what about these salt and light prayers? General Douglas MacArthur said, the soldier above all, above all others, prays for peace. For it is the soldier who must suffer and bear the deepest wounds and scars of the war. You know, we can, and, and, and as someone who served but never had to serve in battle, but has talked with many and counseled many soldiers and sailors who have served in battle. I know talking with my dad, and my dad and I shared a, a, a commonality in the fact that we both served in the military, and we talked about it, but I know there were things my dad would never talk to me about. Because they were, there's something about the battle and serving during, during wartime that just kind of closes off a certain area for individuals. And I remember, I remember when I was over in Korea, uh, <clears throat> back in 1983, 83 or 884, uh, a Korean jetliner, it was, was KAL-007 was the name of the, was the, the number of the jetliner. It was flying uh, back to Korea. It was flying over Sakhalin Island. And the Russians launched a couple uh, fighter jets, and they actually shot it down. You may remember that. Uh, they actually shot down that jet. 
Well, I was in South Korea. I was sitting rack. I copied Morse code. I was sitting rack when that happened. And, and there's, in, in intelligence, there's what's called flash traffic. And that flash traffic has to be in the president's hand in less than 10 minutes. And that came through our office. And the, uh, our, our trick chief came out and he told everybody to stop and got our attention. And he says, don't move. Don't get off your, don't get off your rack. Keep your headphones on. If you're hungry, we'll bring you lunch. Other things, <laughs> we'll bring you what you need. Do not leave your rack. The Russians just, sat, just shot down a, jet, a Korean civilian jetliner, and we are on the edge of war. Well, that kind of woke things up in me a little bit. And we sat there and, and sat there for many hours. And once that ended, we were able to leave, and, and things kind of calmed down a little bit. And we were, at, we, we, we were off alert, and we were able to leave our post and, and go down to the village if we wanted to. And as I was walking in the village, some of the South Korean citizens came up to me and said, hey, let's go, let's go get Russia. Let's go get Russia. And there was such a ferocity in their voices and in their, their feelings of going to war. And I remember thinking to myself, no, I don't want that. Because we had been told in no uncertain terms that our base would be a target because we were the military intelligence branch of the 2nd Infantry Division for South, the, the, for the South Korean theater. <clears throat> and we didn't really stand much of a chance of surviving very long into the war if that were to happen. And I remember saying, trying to talk to them saying, you know what, maybe we should kind of turn things down a little bit. Because as a soldier, I knew the cost. And see, as soldiers, as people who serve, as people who serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we need to remember that it's not just a daily life that we walk, but it's a war, a spiritual war, a spiritual conflict that we face. And there's a battle going on every moment of every day. And there's an enemy that attacks you every moment of every day. And I believe with all my heart that everything that happens in your life happens for a purpose that God will use to make you a stronger, more passionate, more effective follower of Jesus. But I also believe that Satan has a plan for everything that happens in your life to tear you down and to drag you down and to make you less than what you could be and to destroy your life. In fact, I think Satan would have no greater joy than to see everybody in this auditorium this morning and everybody watching us online today not doing this next Sunday. I think he'd be incredibly happy if we all found something else to do. Because the less we do, the more people don't hear about Jesus. You see, that's what's at stake for the soldier in the army of God. That's why we pray these salt and light prayers. So God will show us what needs to change in our lives. So God will show us what we need to strengthen. We have a, a, a couple here starting a business. 
about helping people get healthy and strong. My wife and I work out at the same gym they work out right now. Let me tell you, it's no joke when they work out. They, they, Ray Lewis, it's not a joke, Lewis. You, you've been there. It's not a joke. They take it seriously. I thought I took it seriously. I, I, I love working out. It's, it's my thing. I love it. It's, it helps me get rid of stress. I love it. But, geez, they're serious. Would to God that we would take that same intensity that we do with the things that we have a passion for and put that same kind of emphasis into our walks with Jesus. How much more effective, how much more powerful, how much stronger would we be as followers of Jesus? Listen, I'm not saying we're not going to have struggles. This last month, oh my gosh, it's been brutal. It's been brutal for my family. It's just been a brutal month, no doubt about it. I didn't realize going on Veterans Day to visit my father's grave was going to be so impactful on me. I went and visited his grave for the first time and uh, had my two youngest boys with me. Now, whew, that was very emotional, very emotional. And there's been so other things going on. And I'll tell you, man, I, I, feel, like, I, I feel like just kind of putting a, uh, I pray, I've been praying for, no lie, man, I've been praying for God's covering on my family. So we could have time to breathe. Just kind of have time to breathe. I'm not guaranteed that. So I need to continue to push forward and continue to ask God, what needs to change in me? Maybe you're showing me a new direction. Maybe you're showing me a, a new something or other. Maybe you want something to change here. God, what is it? I'm, I'm open to it. The, the, the important thing is not what you pray about specifically it's the important thing is that that you pray and how you pray so quickly these prayers require an admission of personal need to change your life and grow in faith listen if you can't get on board with that thought then i really don't know if you can really grow in your faith i got to be honest with you if you can't get on board with the thought that you need to pray and ask God and acknowledge that there is a personal need of change in your life and growth in your faith, then I think you're missing the point of walking with Jesus. I truly do. Because it doesn't matter how strong you are right now. Satan wants to bring a storm into your life that will blow your house down. Remember Superstorm Sandy that came through? And Aaron and I went for a walk. We had a dog named Sandy at that time, and we went on on the golf course, and we were walking in the rain. We thought that was wonderful. I had no idea that storm was going to cut off the entire state of Vermont from the rest of the country. Every road leading out of Vermont was washed away. Amazing. Nobody was ready for it. That storm was stronger than we ever imagined. Don't you think Satan has that same desire for your life? He wants to bring something into your life that will wash you away. That will destroy you. And if you don't think that praying for strength and growth and change is important, then you're just missing it. In Romans 12, 2, Paul says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, 
pleasing, and perfect will of God. Obviously, this verse implies that it is possible for us to, be, to, to become conformed to this world. For us to be so comfortable in this world that we completely misunderstand what God is trying to do for us and through us. We completely buy into all the things that are being talked about in our society. We completely buy into the fact that you can identify as whatever you want. Okay? I identify as LeBron James. Now, I want his bank account. Doesn't work that way, does it? I know that sounds silly, but so does the rest of it to me, honestly. Be what you want to be, but don't try to change truth. Yet the church is buying into that and saying it's okay. It's not okay. It's time that as Christians, listen, you don't have to attack people. You don't have to go on protest against people. You don't have to do all that. You don't have to burn buildings down to make your point. You just need to stand for what's right. Love people where they're at, but stand for truth. And say, it doesn't matter if you think you're purple. Jesus died for you. Because listen, man, it doesn't matter how you identify. It doesn't matter what you think, what you call yourself. None of that is going to send anybody to hell. What sends people to hell is rejecting Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's what sends people to hell. Not how they voted on Tuesday. Not whether they want to stay in the Northeast or move to the Southwest. What they need is Jesus, not your opinion of who they are. What they need is Jesus, not your condemnation of their choice. And they don't even need your soliloquy on choice or being born that way. Because see, none of that matters. What matters is how they see Jesus and do they choose him or reject him. Not only do these player, prayers require the admission of personal need and the need to change, these prayers require the understanding that you must depend on God for the results. Too many times we pray as though success depends on God, but work as if it depends on us. We need to understand that it all depends on him. Even the strength and ability to do the work. Here we go, Christian, once again. You know why? Because it's not about you. If you think that this church cannot survive without you, can I say, uh, I'm just going to say, Zach, you may have a job next week, all right? Let me just say this. If you think this church can't survive without you, I dare you to give it a try. Amen. Give it a try. Because God is bigger than your ego. God is bigger than your ability. God is bigger than your wallet. So if you think you're that important to this church, put God to the test. Now, I'm not saying I want anybody to leave. Don't get me wrong. 
I'm saying I'd really like you to get your ego in check and get your attitude in check and get yourself on the same page that God is and serve him because he's called you to serve, not because you're so stinking important. That goes for me too, by the way. If God tells me, if God burdens my heart tomorrow to resign this church and, and go do something else, guess what I hope I have the courage to do? Resign this church and go do something else. Because this church isn't about me. This church is about him. And folks, it's time we get back to that in all of our lives and realize that we're not as important as we think we are. He's got to be number one. If he's not number one, we got a big problem. Got a big problem. Philippians 4.13, we say this all the time. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Okay, don't leave out that middle part. Don't gloss over that middle part. Through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Oh, that's not what it means. That, that doesn't mean what you think it means. I think it means what I think it means. Because Jesus said, if you, if you have enough faith and God wants that mountain to move and you say, God, move that mountain, then if, if that's God's plan and you have enough faith, God will move the mountain. So yeah, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Through Christ who gives me strength. Listen, if you truly want God's favor, God's blessing in your life, you'll be willing to make the changes that lead to an honorable life. And we're gonna, this is where we're going to end this message. If you truly want, listen, if you truly want God's favor, if that's truly what you want, listen, in order to get, in, many times in order to get to God's favor, you have to go through the flood, go through the fire. Sometimes you have to go through the ugly. Sometimes you have to drag yourself through that self-examination that reveals to you who you really are. It doesn't really matter what other people see, what other people say, whatever the people think. But you need to really ask God to reveal who you are to you so that you can make those changes. But if you truly want God's blessing and favor, you'll be willing to make the changes that lead to an honorable life. That brings us to 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. Remember several years ago, the prayer of Jabez? It was written in a little book, the prayer of Jabez. And everybody, I'm going to pray the prayer of Jabez. And God's going to bless my business. Yeah. Oh, man. Let's look at that prayer. It says, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. And we focus on that set, on verse 10 because that's the prayer, right? Jabez prayed for God's blessing and God blessed him. God enlarged his territory. God's favor was on Jabez's life. But we fail to read verse 9 and we fail to give verse 9 the credit it deserves here because the Bible says the reason God answered Jabez's prayer and blessed his life was that Jabez was more honorable than the others. Jabez lived a life that honored God. Jabez did the things that God called him to do. Jabez turned his eyes on Jesus and looked full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth grew strangely dim in the light of that glory 
and grace. That's why Jabez was blessed. Not because he prayed some silly prayer out of a book or wore it on his wrist or put it on a t-shirt. Because Jabez did the hard work of standing for God and living a life for God and making the changes in his life that God called him to make. Jabez did the work of making God the priority of his life. It wasn't about how many likes he got on Facebook. It was about how he saw himself in God's eyes and how God saw him and how he served God with everything he had. And it didn't matter who did what. Because I know Jabez was Old Testament, but let's make it New Testament, shall we? Jabez had decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though no one joined him, still he followed. Though no one joined him, still he followed. No turning back. No turning back. See, Jabez was in it for the long haul. Jabez was in it to win it, if it as it were. Jabez was going to serve the God that created him. Come heck or high water. Didn't matter what happened, Jabez was going to walk with Jesus, walk with his God. How about you? You see, that's what salt and light prayers are all about. God, show me where I'm weak. Show me where I'm vulnerable. Show me where I need to be strengthened because this is where I fall. This is where I stumble. This is what I can't get past in my life, God. Show me why. What is it that is keeping me from success in this area? What is keeping me from victory in this area? Salt and light prayers. God, what needs to change in me? I promise you, if you'll pray, if you'll have the courage to pray those prayers, I promise you he'll show you. It may not be what you want to hear, but it will be what you need to hear. And I promise you that it will make a difference in your life. And through your life, it will make a difference in your home. And through your life, it will make a difference in your church. And through your life and your home and your church, God will make a difference in this world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here today and thank you for the freedom to preach your word. Lord, I pray that you'll give us courage, give us strength, Father, to pray the way we need to pray. Lord, uh, help us to understand and realize that there are areas in our life that need help. May we have the courage to pray that way. God, bless us as we go from today. Keep us safe out there on the roads in this weather. God, may we go forward as worshipers for you, as servants of yours, walking out these doors as missionaries, taking your word to a world that needs it. Bless us, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen.